I want to lead a happy life. Well, what does that mean? It means honesty, integrity, courage, passion, service, faith, all of those things. What is my means of getting it? Stepping out of my comfort zone consistently. That's what moves me over. The world around us is changing faster than ever. We hear people say, everything's a blur. And when we're living in our little self, a self in survival mode, a self that's living out what others believe we should do or who we should be, we compromise our joy. We put limits on ourselves and how we show up day in and day out. We believe we all have a big self and pursuing it is holy work. We also believe that most of us let fear persuade us not to pay attention to it. So we stay in this vicious cycle between fear and entrapment that keeps us playing small. But when we combine an insatiable curiosity to know Today you're in for a real treat as I have a conversation with Scott Simon. He calls himself a happiness entrepreneur and you can see why. He is founder of the Scare Your Soul Courage Movement and also author of the book Scare Your Soul, Seven Powerful Principles to Harness Fear and Lead Your Most Courageous Life. I think you'll love the way he responds to my first question of how do you think about the big your big self. Scott really challenges us to confront limiting beliefs and lead a more meaningful and connected life. His way to getting us there is by getting out of our comfort zones, pushing ourselves a little bit. And when we each individually lead that life, more great ideas happen, more social justice opportunities arise, we'll find more healthy relationships can be fostered, as well as just innovation. So in a very real sense, we change ourselves and together we can change our world with the kind of medicine that we receive by pushing ourselves from the message that Scott is urging us to consider. Scott Simon, welcome to The Big Self Show. Chad, it's so good to be with you. It is a delight to be with you. We're really honored. I'm excited for this conversation. I mean, I'm I'm really excited here. First, let's begin with asking you what we are asking every uh, guest at the beginning of our shows, which is the idea of when you think of big self what first comes to mind <laughs> and and also and if you want you can compare kind of contrast it with like what does it mean to be in a little self or you could just think of it what is big self to you sure so first off so great to be with you i love the work that you're doing and so happy to be on this podcast um and i love this question about the big self um and here's where without thinking about it this is where my mind goes um, I love this metaphor of a sculpture. Okay. So, um, and this may be different than, than some of your other guests have said, but I really believe 
that we have something inside of each one of us um, called a soul. I actually kind of view it almost as a sculpture that is super vibrant. It's, it's courageous. It's, it's who we were when we were kids and we hopped on a playground and all we wanted to do was connect with other kids, have fun, play, run around, you know, that, that sense of pure um, humanness. And what happens over the years is you know, we have experiences, we have traumas, things happen to us in life, we get jobs, we need to write CVs and resumes, and we kind of cover that essential sculpture up with stone and calcification. And I really do believe that the way to get to our big self, to your question, is to chip away at that stone, to chip away at the stuff that has kind of overcome that deep, vibrant internal sculpture that we all have. Um, and I really believe that that whole process is all about courage. That courage yeah. is that's like the chisel that that mm. chisels away at all that calcification because it allows us to step into moments that end up bringing that true big self into the world. So that's my that's my answer to you. The big self is that vibrant sculpture inside of each one of us. Beautiful. What a metaphor. We we've got to to use that. That that's uh that's memorable. Uh and speaking of chipping away at, at you know transformation and change. You know, I um I've I've listened to your story, enjoyed your book uh Scare Your Soul. You call yourself a doer now, but you you would um you had to go through a transformation to be able to arrive at that description of yourself. Now, uh, you, in a sense, as I understand, you would say that you changed your story. And that's what you know, I coach clients to do in our practice is, you know, be the person that you want, that you envision being. So yes. how, how do you overcome how did you or, or do you overcome fear and, and have had just have developed that muscle in yourself? Well, first of all, I think it's something that's available to each one of us. So it is, it is absolutely a choice and a ritual and a habit. Um, I think many times, and I'm in, I'm in courage work every single day that people think that they need to do the big things, jump out mm -hmm. of airplanes, quit jobs, you know, make these radical life shifts. Um, and, and those, those can be edifying, but mm -hmm. in my mind, it's, it's the little actions that move the muscle. It's like somebody who wants to, to run a marathon and they don't run. It's not about getting up there and, and, and running 20 plus miles day one. It is strapping on those shoes every single day. So I'll tell you a quick story about what happened to me. Yeah. And I think you probably your listeners have a moment like this in their lives where they felt like, you know what? I just, I can't do this anymore. So I grew up very, very shy. I was short. I was bullied when I grew up and really led a very, very small life. I, I really like remember myself wanting to just shrink, like even shorter than I was um, and be invisible because that meant I wouldn't get beaten up um, mocked, um, and, and I'd be able to just live and survive. And after college, I lived that way, basically all the way through college, I was offered a job to teach English to Holocaust survivors in Israel. And on the flight over, first of all, I can't believe I even accepted it because it was so out of my comfort zone to do so. Right. I had a panic attack on the flight. 
I literally started, my heart was racing out of my chest. I was sweating. And I basically said to myself, like, I can't do this. I literally cannot go to another country. I don't know the language. And I took out a spiral notebook from my backpack and I wrote out eight words into that spiral notebook. And that has become the mantra of my life. Do one thing every day that scares you. <laughs> I love one that. Thing every day yep. that scares you. So what does that really mean? It, right. Because we've all heard it, right? Like it's a kind of a famous phrase. Eleanor Roosevelt is the one that it's typically attributed to, but you can go back to like Stoic philosophy and all kinds of other things. Mm. To me, what it means is consistent practice of pushing comfort zones, consistent practice of pushing comfort zones. So that year in Israel, instead of turning around and coming back the next day, I literally did one thing every day that scared me. And I wrote it in that spiral notebook. Actually, I had to buy another spiral notebook because I filled it up. And that year, as you just said, changed my story. I went from being a fearful, invisible child or young adult to being a fear chaser. Like I literally... Mm changed my narrative. It took, it took some time, but those small actions connected and added up and changed my whole story to being a fear chaser. And, you know, it's like, there's something that I'm really attracted to about this subject. And yet, uh, I, I paradoxically am afraid of it, you know? Um, well, tell us a little bit, but let's back up. No, I don't know if it's sure. backing up, but let's go sideways to sure. just why do you, do you advocate for this idea of the small, but like daily actions over the big ones, such as like, I think you've talked about before jumping out of a plane. Right. Right. So Honestly, this whole um, experience of, of scare your soul and of courage work really grew from, first of all, that experience in Israel where I, I literally, and by the way, when I say small acts, I mean small micro actions. These are not things, um, I was at a book talk the other night and somebody came up to me and said, your work sounds exhausting. That's what she said <laughs> to me. Like, it sounds exhausting the way that you live and the way you want yeah. to live. And I said, it's actually the opposite because when we do small things that, that light us up, it gives us energy. It gives us enthusiasm. It's, it's adventure. And, and it doesn't mean that it all goes well, but that's, it's, it's, it feels like living life to me. So it was this personal experience of, of going to Israel and doing one thing every day, even if that meant just going to the post office for the first time or, or saying hello to a stranger, something, something real small, but it adds up. And then the second piece is I ended up meeting a professor at Harvard who uh, is now my mentor. His name is Tal Ben-Shahar. And Tal taught at that time the largest class at Harvard called the Science of Happiness. And this whole field of positive psychology and all the associated um, studies around what makes happy and flourishing people really supports not one-time splashy big actions, but consistent growth oriented ways of stepping into the world boldly. And so I had all of this data, I had all of this personal experience and I basically, I did one thing uh, where I conquered one particular fear and I'm happy to, happy to tell you that story, but that led to me writing a Facebook post about it. The post went viral 
And then all of a sudden I had hundreds of people around the world asking me to help them become more courageous. So all of a sudden this shy kid from suburban Cleveland, Ohio has an opportunity to be a fellow human with other people, not a guru, not a, not a, not a teacher, but just a fellow human walking in the world, wanting to live life as boldly as I possibly can, because I love it so much more. I've been invisible, but I love this life and I want to share it and connect with it and connect other people to it. I wonder, you know, so they talk about one thing that brings joy and happiness being to do a gratitude uh, practice. And uh, for an Enneagram four like me, that's kind of always seen a little bit of the deficit or what's lacking, uh, that, that I can get into a, a gratitude practice at times is, is meaningful. It's almost like spiritual work. Uh, but I have to say that there's something about, it. I know the, the research says that we should, the, it's more effective when you dig in and you get really, really particular about the things that you're yeah. grateful for. Yeah. But I'm almost wondering if something like a, a courage practice might be a little bit more activating. And I have to, and I have to say that like the small things makes it a little more palatable. Of course. Cause it'll never, it, it's like, 86% or something of people uh, fail on their new year's resolutions. It's just life. Yeah. So if we don't chunk it down and we don't make it fun, actionable, um, have sometimes have an accountability partner. Like some people do. I, I mm-hmm. do have a gratitude practice. Okay. Uh, I do want to get back to your, your comment about a courage practice, but I do, I've had a gratitude practice with somebody for eight years. Um, we send five gratitudes every night by text uh, without repeating, by the way. So I've done about 14,000 or so gratitudes without repeating over eight years, which has been an absolutely transformative process. Okay. But I think it's not because I had the will to do it. It's because it was easy to do. Texting is simple. And I had account- an accountability partner that was I knew was on the other end of that text chain. And I don't want to disappoint Carly <laughs> and, and, and she doesn't want to disappoint me. And so it encourages us to do this work together. So I come by this work really, it's in my bones. I really do believe so strongly that when we do these consistent actions, whether it's a gratitude practice or where you absolutely walked into, I mean, if I had to boil down this entire book that I just wrote, yeah. 262 pages to one concept. It's exactly what you said. It's taking the concept of a meditation practice or a yoga practice or a running practice and just translating it to a courage practice. Can Mm. you do one thing every day? And we could talk about, you know, what the different avenues are, Mm -hmm. because then that's really where the rubber hits the road. Um, But can you do one thing every day that scares you or that pushes your comfort zone? And I promise you, I promise you, we have now thousands of participants and, 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 and <laughs> a book now out in, in every bookstore in America, in North America, that it can be done. And if you just start, things start to become, as I said, fun. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a story for yourself. It becomes your narrative. And then all of a sudden, you're doing things, connecting with people, having hard conversations, saying I love you 
One of our ambassadors decided to become a cheerleader for a day at the age of 53 and, and change the way that she views her own story by becoming a cheerleader for a day. I mean, this is fun, but powerful, powerful work. So, so you've got two practices, at least, uh, the, this gratitude practice and a courage practice. Well, let's see. Um, you know, but you've talked a lot about happiness too, even done a Ted talk on it and, and, you know, just for the resistance in us, well, you talk about how it's like, I think it's interesting. Like there's 50% of, of happiness is genetic And a huge, a huge other part is our actions and thoughts, which is fascinating. But happiness is where we meet uh, pleasure and meaning and going to our fear doesn't feel like pleasure, right? (laughs) No, it it doesn't. uh, It doesn't right up front. And and, and in a way, it probably never will. The word pleasure is a really interesting one because, you know, most people think of pleasure just as a, a superficial act of of eating an ice cream cone on a hot day or, you know, Mm. something that just feels super instant gratification. And and certainly there is an aspect of that. And by the way, we do need pleasure in life, right? To lead a a good flourishing life. The positive psychologists uh, um, all attest to the fact that, that we need that in our, in our lives to be happy. But I really view pleasure more as an expanded experience, which is um, to me, let me give you an example. When I um, volunteer, so I'm very involved in an organization here locally, which provides clothing and shoes to um, to families at risk. And um, a lot of the time I'm, I'm with them and I'm meeting with them and we're, we're literally handing out jackets, coats, shoe gift cards, et cetera. I'm going into boys and girls clubs. I'm meeting them. I'm connecting with them. We're giving this stuff away. We're raising money. Is that pleasure or is that meaning? It's both. And that's why it contributes so much to my overall level of happiness. Is there meaning included? Yes, of course. I feel a great sense of meaning doing it. But it actually gives me so much pleasure to connect with another human being and to do something that I feel like I'm acting in service and I'm doing it with an open heart. So I I think, again, your, your questions are so on point. The whole goal behind, to me, this courage work, the gratitude work, um, mind-body work. I mean, I, I know all of your coaching work that you do. What is it all for? I mean, what, what is it the end game of all of this? And I think if you asked me, the end game is all about happiness. We, we, mm. If you say to, to me, um, why do you do a certain something that makes your life good? And, and you ask me and I say, well, that, that because I, I, um, I think that the charity and volunteering is important. Well, why do you find it important? Well, because um, I, it's, it's, it's t- been told to me and it's a tradition and, and I, I like how it feels. Well, why do you like how it feels and why it's a tradition? Because it makes me happy. I want happiness for myself. I want happiness for my children, for my community. How do I go about that? I lead an adventurous life, a bold life, a giving life, a life in service, a life in faith. All of those things lead to a happier life. And as I said, I really do believe that courage is that is the chisel that gets you to the sculpture. That is the that mm. at the end of the day is what unlocks all of this. So I think happiness is a huge subject. The word could never encompass what it really means to all of us. The word happiness is almost like McDonald's at this point. Right. It's like 
It's like a brand. Like, I don't view it that way. I view it as the essential quest of a human being. I want to lead a happy life. Well, what does that mean? It means honesty, integrity, courage, passion, service, faith, all of those things. What is my means of getting it? Stepping out of my comfort zone consistently. That's what moves the needle for me. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. So we're defining happiness is, you know, is, is not, no, it's not this passing pleasure thing. No, this is basically joy, right? This is yes, that, yes. that intersection of all these, the Venn diagram of, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> of all that's these right. points. So, but you know, so let's say, so one of your action steps for just is buy coffee for a stranger. <laughs> yeah. And you admit that like, you've done it many times yes. and I, I'm trying to like wrap my mind around, can I do that? Will will I do that? And I want to do that. And I, and I, and I want to believe in this, like in my, you know, there's a part of me that just really resonates, completely believes yeah. what you're saying and what you're saying. And yet, and I think that for many, if not most human beings, we have this little fear of failure. Even yes. if we know that like uh, maybe eight times out of 10, the conversations are going to be serendipitous and beautiful, bring us the joy and things that you were talking about. But we're afraid of the discomforting one or two times that keeps us from doing it. Yep. So your question is beautiful. You actually asked two questions. Mm -hmm. Can I do it? And will I do it? And that to me, my friend is <laughs> that's the rub right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you do it? Absolutely. Will you do it? That's in you. And I'll tell you what, I think one part of the magic of scare your soul is, and, and I talk about this a lot in the book, and that is when we don't do this work in a vacuum, um, it, it becomes this joyful challenge. It is fun, it's engaging, and it gets us out of that moment of, of, of potential discomfort, by the way. It's imagined discomfort, let's put it that way. So much of our life, when I talk about fear, it's not about crossing streets or touching hot stoves or, or even things related to your career. Should you ask for a raise? Should you not ask for a raise? And are you fearful about that? It's things that are imagined outcomes of our actions. Think about that. How often are we making ourselves a living crystal ball by saying, I can't do this because, or I won't do this because this could happen. And my belief is let's, um, let's push through that. Let's push through that in really fun and intriguing ways and do it with a community. So I'll give you an example. In Scare Your Soul, we have a challenge each week. And the challenge for this week may be buy a cup of coffee for a stranger. The fact that you know that there are thousands of people around the world yeah. buying a cup of coffee for a stranger and posting it on Instagram adds a level of fun and excitement to it. it it's, it's, is it a little cheesy? Maybe, but it's a permission <laughs> slip to yeah. do it, right? And that gets you doing it. Now, here's the key. When you do it, you're, I promise you, you're going to share what happened with others. You're not going to do this just in a vacuum and walk away from it. Because most likely, first of all, something amazing is going to happen. I've done it dozens and dozens of times. And I think I could probably count on one hand an experience that was either lackluster or negative. And, and it does happen, of course. We're, we're human beings. And it's, it is the unknown, which is why it's so powerful. 
But I love this kind of work because it puts us in a place where we don't know what's going to happen. And, um, and that's really where beauty lies. That's where connection and growth lie. Does a painter know what it's going to look like when they put their first brush on the canvas? No. I know you've got a writing background, right? You have, a, you have this powerful writing background. Do you know what the book or the article or the blog post is going to say when you, when you write that first word? No. <laughs> is, it fear, is, it, is it terrorizing in the process? Yes. But until you do it and unless you do it, we'll never get the gift that you're going to give us. We're never going to get that piece of writing. You have to go through the fire to create the art at the end. And there's a lot of failure there. Of course <laughs> there is. There's a ton yeah. of failure and judging and, mm. and, and imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. When you write your piece, whatever your piece is, it encompasses our humanity. We're afraid of failure, of what people are going to think. We're afraid of, of, of feeling like an imposter. We're afraid of, of our perfection complexes. We're afraid that what we put out is not going to have enough impact. It's going to get laughed at. All of the things, and I've written a book. Believe me, I know how it feels. I feel it every day when somebody told me that they bought a book. I want that. I, you know, all of a sudden, I'm feeling like I want it to be the best possible thing for you. I want it to change your life. There's so much fear in there, but nothing would ever happen if I didn't write it and nothing will ever happen if we don't push ourselves into those moments where we're off the couch, off of our comfort zone and out into the world. So true. And, uh, and it, well, let's, let's uh, actually slightly shift another perception of that is related to fear is procrastination putting, putting things off. And I mean, I guess it it can be related to fear, but to what extent uh, I've heard you talk about the down downward spiral and the upward spiral. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, And I think it's related to one of your scarier soul challenges, isn't it? Could, Could you talk to us about procrastination and how you can encourage people to work through it? Sure. I I think the most powerful thing that I ever learned about procrastination is that at the end of the day, it really isn't about the action, the, the thing that you're avoiding. It's oftentimes the fear of the feeling that you have in doing it. The fear of the feeling of this particular thing that you have on your list. So for example, um, I have to, I was talking to somebody, I'll, I'll put it on somebody else. I was talking to somebody else this morning who's in financial services and he has to pick up the phone all the time and cold call people, even though he's incredibly successful. He's got a great practice. He picks up the phone and, and calls people all the time. And he told me this morning that he, that is like one of his biggest procrastination, you know, uh, items is not picking up the phone and cold calling. So let's think about this for a second. Is his procrastination really about the experience of being on the phone with that person and being able to say the right words. It really isn't. It's not really about the action. He's done it a hundred times or he's probably done it a thousand times. It's about the feeling of what could happen if somebody hangs up on him. If, uh, if, if he, if he has a a bad interaction, um, you know, it's all of that feeling and, and there's discomfort there. He's avoiding the discomfort, not the action. So to me, a lot of it is, and, and again, so much of this work, I feel like sometimes when people listen to me, they think, 
you know, gosh, buddy, I, I learned this in kindergarten. You're, you're, you're telling me these <laughs> concepts that I learned when I was five. Well, apparently I, everything we learned in kindergarten is, I mean, is all we need. So here, I mean, to me, it's as, it's as simple as a reframing um, experience. And that is the following. When uh, our feelings of anxiety and our feelings of excitement reside within the same part of our brains. Okay. Very important point. And when we reframe the things that we're procrastinating on from things that we don't want to do that could bring us discomfort Mm -hmm. into things that are potentially exciting and things that we can push through and get off of that list, we start to change what that feeling might be. Not the action, because the action is going to be what the action is going to be, but our feeling around it. So what I encourage people to do is to say, instead of I have to do this and I have to do this, it's I get to do this and I'm excited about it. And even kind of pump themselves up about it. That is a big uh, change in getting that thing off of the off of your mindset and yourself into action. Uh, there's a great study out there. A woman named Allison Woods Brooks, who is on faculty at Harvard, did a great study where she encouraged two groups of people. They had to do karaoke in front of the entire class. Okay. Right. Right. Now, I don't know about you. Singing is, is like one of my uh, most fearful things. Like standing up and singing in front of other people is like, just, just, it, it's like the last thing I want to do. Karaoke right. scares the hell out of me. She, t- she split the group into two and she had half of them say to each other, I'm super excited to do this. I'm super excited to say, they had to sing um, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. (laughs) They all sang the same song, same controlled environment, two groups. One group told each other that they were excited to do it. The other group said nothing. They just did it. And the results from the group that said that they were excited were better. The, the, the experiences they had were better. The lingering effects that they had positivity wise were better. The outcomes were better. Everything was better because they said they were excited to do it. So that's why I think, although the scare your soul book is very personal, there's a lot of, as you know, you know, in a way it's a workbook, Yeah, a lot of introspection challenges, ways to interact with the world. Um, I want this to be on people's nightstands, not on their bookshelves. I want them to, to use it and, and, and to, to uh, allow it to be a guide, but at the same time, doing this in a way that we're doing it with other people. We're doing it in a fun way. We're doing it with a level of excitement that to me enlivens all this work. Again, it's just like going to the gym in the morning. If you, if you, if all you're doing is going to a cold, dark gym by yourself, right? Chances that you're going to do it after about three weeks are about nil. But to go to a fun, well lit gym with guys and women that you know, and you're doing it together, and you're listening <laughs> to music, and you're high fiving each other, hell, that is a recipe for success. Oh. I just want to translate that to life. That's a wow. recipe for life. Yes. What I love about this too is, you know, lately, I think it's pandemic related. It's also just our culture, the way we are so isolated from each other. But, you know, there's all this research that's coming in that's saying, hey, guess what? Being in community with each other actually makes you happier. (laughs) You know, it's like the things that we've now research is proving it. So we're all like, okay, but nevertheless, our institutions are kind of crumbling around us. 
And so what you're offering with these ideas, the movement, uh, are ways to specifically, it's not just about like changing your mindset, although that is very useful. It's a, a valuable skill, but to do so, you're right, that energy of doing it with others. It's like, I think we all want some of that. We do. And when we get it, it becomes addictive. We want Mm -hmm. to do more of it. And that's why I really feel that this work is, it's not just changing ourselves. It is affecting our families. It's affecting our workplaces. And essentially, it's affecting our communities in the world. Because when we start acting together, more courageous, and again, I view courage so much more than, you know, the superficial actions of, of jumping out of airplanes and whatnot, although I have done that with a fear of heights and, and it was powerful. I'm not saying that it's not and those, mm-hmm. those and people who are adrenaline junkies and, and, and are surfers or, you know, extreme skiers, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. And it does put us in a sense of flow and that's great. Mm-hmm. But to me, I love the daily experience of walking in this world feeling butterflies in my stomach and still saying yes to challenge, still saying yes to discomfort, whether that be smiling at a stranger, singing karaoke, um, (laughs) volunteering at a soup kitchen, having a hard conversation with a loved one, um, uh, asking for a raise. Those all to me are just avenues towards up the same mountain, which is can we use courageous acts that we all have available to us every day to push through those imagined fears, the fears that, you know, that, that, that stop us. You know, I, I had an experience a few years ago where um, uh, I'm divorced and I have two kids and, and as a single father, I, I, I have always invited my kids friends over to our house. And one night, a number of years ago, my daughter, when she was in seventh grade, had a bunch of friends over one of them ran across the street, a busy street right by the, by where I live and was hit by an SUV. And I was in my kitchen at the time, heard the screams of all of the kids. And I ran out of my house. Now keep in mind, I grew up as the shyest, most invisible kid. I ran out of my house, across my yard, into the street, and I stood over her body, what with incoming traffic coming in both directions to protect her. I didn't know if she was living at that time until an ambulance came. The great news is she's Sophie is soon to be a junior at the college of Charleston and is doing amazing and is an amazing, healthy young woman. But I will tell you my courage work, the cups of coffee, the singing karaoke, the having a hard conversation, the saying, I love you first, those prepared me for the moments where we have to step up in life. This is important work. This isn't just about having fun and and it is, and it's enlivening, but this is about living life so that we are fully engaged and we are fully ready for those moments when we do have to step metaphorically step into the street with our arms outstretched because it happens to all of us. I want to be ready I want to already know that I'm a courageous person, that I've got the skills, the confidence, the self-efficacy to do it. I want to help other people do it so that when somebody gets sick in their family or they lose a job or they have to move to a new city and make new friends or any of those things, that they're ready, 
that they feel empowered, they feel strong, courageous, and brave. And that to me is what this work is all about. You know, you mentioned flow for a minute there, and I was thinking that the intersection, how does one achieve flow? And you do step off into with the courage of the unknown and with a high level of mastery in a given domain. And it sounds like by exercising this muscle over and over and over again, we do we can get to, and it sounds like you have gotten to a level of high skill in this area. So I could imagine uh, the flow state uh, that you're that you're describing as well. Uh, what a message for our big self audience, Scott Simon. Thank you so much for uh, sharing this passionate um, and timely message with us. Chad, it was total pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, and, and of course, yes. And and please uh, share with us, tell us uh, where we can find out more, where we can have the opportunity to buy cups of copies, coffee for strangers <laughs> and uh, and be sharing it with each other. Tell us where, where Absolutely. can we find you? I I, I invite all of your listeners to come join us. Uh, we're a free grassroots organization. Uh, ScareYourSoul.com is where it all starts. Um, you can sign up for our challenges. There are free challenges on the site, free ideas and, and ways for you to become more courageous in your life. Um, if you want to take a deeper dive and really kind of move it to the next level, um, the book is also called Scare Your Soul, Seven Powerful Principles to Harness Fear and Lead Your Most Courageous Life. It's on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and, and, as I said, every bookstore out there. So it, 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 that, that, I think, really allows people to deeply, deeply engage in this work. But, um, but I really look forward to people uh, uh, connecting with us. And by the way, my email address is everywhere. It's on the site and it's in the book. I respond to every email and, and really view this as, as my particular passion, my way to bring my uh, big self into the world. We are all about big ideas and how to integrate them into a more sustainable life. To open up your learning, level up your self-awareness and consciousness, and move from surviving to thriving to flourishing. And I think what Scott Simon is trying to say is how can we chip away at rediscovering who we are through the chisel of accessing our personal courage. Now I get it, as you could probably hear in our conversation, there's a lot to absorb and it's not like we can just flick on the light switch and suddenly do these big courageous things. But what if there is something here for us to absorb and, and really reflect on? What if there is something to this idea of not holding on to some of the small parts of ourselves that keep us held back and approaching life playing a little small, or at least not as big and expansive and purposeful and confident and simply happy as we could be. I believe that you are put here on this pale blue dot for this short amount of time to do something more than merely surviving and just getting by or that you have to do through the constant stress of being quote unquote productive. I want to encourage you 
to push through your comfort zone into a life lived the way you want to live. And you know where to find us to do just that at BigSelfSchool.com, where we offer one-to-one coaching as well as trainings and workshops for organizations big and small. Here's to seeing you on our next episode of The Big Self Show.